the funny thing is a lot of times I think people are almost sometimes embarrassed when they talk with Daniel and I about different speculative pieces. We don't have a problem with that. Uh, we actually refer to that as FU money. There is a way, and that's why we do this, to map out how much makes sense where you're really dealing with a situation of you know, basically asymmetric risk, where you very well might see a great return from that. But if you don't and it falls apart, who cares, right? You didn't care about that money. That's the whole concept behind that, right? So sometimes speculative investments like this can scratch an itch for people's psyche where it then doesn't threaten the other things that actually really matter. So a lot of times we actually encourage people to do some of this. Again, it's just about how it's weighted in the overall asset mapping process. So, Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. This podcast is intended for free thinkers, entrepreneurs, and knowledge seekers. Join us as we discuss relevant financial topics, explore with guests their financial journeys, and engage with experts in industries such as space, media and entertainment, real estate, and many more. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. I am your host for this evening, Nathaniel, along with my partner, Dan, and our other partner, Tim, is going to be taking a well-deserved night off. So it's just the two of us. Here we go. Oh, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. Bring. Uh, no, okay, I won't go that far. All right. Anywho, uh, as we like to do in the beginning of our podcast, we like to encourage our listeners and viewers to subscribe. You can do so on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify. Um, you can also go on YouTube if you want to see our beautiful faces, which we encourage. Look at that smile, right? Also, Dan, look at that. He's a he's a handsome devil. He is. So with that, we'll go, we're, we are going to be speaking today about personal financial asset mapping. Now you might say, well, what's that, Nathaniel? Well, let me read you the definition of something similar called asset mapping, because technically personal financial asset mapping doesn't really exist. So we have put our own little spin on what is actually called asset mapping. So the definition of asset mapping is a systematic process of cataloging key services, benefits, and resources within the community, such as individual skill sets, organizational resources, physical space, institutions, associations, and elements of the local economy. So now we've t done our own little spin on this because there's nothing similar uh, within financial planning. So we came up with personal financial asset mapping. Dan? Yeah, that's that sums it up pretty well, Nathaniel. Um, so everything Nathaniel just said, applies here. It's just, you are the community. Uh, it, and we actually often talk about people's personal households as if they're their own little businesses. There's a lot of similarities between the two thought processes. So here's kind of how this came to play and how we utilize that today. And we're going to walk you through just the framework, meaning how we think about this, how we morph this, and how we attach this to 
people just like you, but uh, th this is how it was born. Like Nathaniel said, we just kind of ran with this idea uh, and it's constantly evolving like everything else I feel we touch. Um, people come to us all the time, daily, and they, they typically in the form where they ask us about generally about some sort of usually private equity piece. And not to dive too deep into that, we talk about that in other podcasts, we'll continue to do so. But it's something like, I want to put my money in this private endeavor, blah, 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 blah. And uh, that's fine. But what we find is that one thing is connected to one thing, which is connected to one thing, and therefore you have an opportunity cost. And there's a very macro picture to kind of look is it's someone's entire financial, you know, environment. And then there's the micro, right? The actual analytics, there's research behind specific things you own and so on. Uh, both have to be considered, right? So when it's someone like us who's coming in and managing someone's entire net worth, we want to see the entire picture, even if that means we're managing a sliver of what that actually looks like, maybe even nothing actually. So uh, usually, again, they come with some kind of private equity thought, and we end up taking a look at it and say, okay, does this make sense or does this? Is this basically just in isolation, not healthy for the overall picture? Hence, what we do is we map it out. We look at your individual community and see, well, what makes sense to go here, here, and here to make all of this fit together? Uh, here's an analogy if you want to kind of, or I guess a more of a metaphoric picture, if you want to picture this in a different light. We talk about this all the time from a planning standpoint, even though I know that might seem weird because asset mapping, we're talking about assets, but the planning piece of this gives purpose to those assets. Therefore, it's more deliberate in its action. But we talk often about this idea of a pyramid, right? Of champagne glasses that you may be found at a wedding. Hopefully you're starting to see some of those again now soon coming out of COVID. And what people do, regardless of wealth, in fact, I'd argue more so when we see wealth is they start pouring their champagne into all these different glasses. And I think we'll probably get into some more of these concepts here too, but just to kind of frame it as we go through this conversation, all these different glasses on different levels. And here's where the results. You end up having no glasses full, right? And it becomes just off balance. And that, that making it off balance, having those weights just not being proportion of other, other counterweights and so on, creates a very fragile environment. So the idea of asset mapping is to actually stress, stress test and not do that by looking at everything. So we'll dive into what the framework looks like as to how we piece out how much makes sense to go here or here. And this is very individualized, so we're going to make it a general concept. But that's really kind of the best the best kind of maybe explanation I can give as to what we're trying to accomplish with this topic. So Dan speaks about these champagne glasses. So first I want to note that everybody's champagne glasses are different. There's, there's maybe, except, a, a, except one for, glass. I'd say two, I'd argue two actually, because one, well, maybe they're like in tandem because there's the, your, your cost of living, and then there's your emergency fund. So you could argue that they're one and the same, maybe two. I Take a pick. Uh, but th those will always remain the same. But then everything else below is different for everybody. So not there is no one size fits all. 
So when we started to think about how this framework should be and, and the evolving of it since, we, we had to think about really how much can you invest in private investments based off what your goals are? So really, what are your true investable assets? Because the, the amount that you can deploy against such, such assets like that might be different than your neighbor next door. It's a different, totally different set of life circumstances, totally different set of values. So the framework components that we typically, that we look at are, as I said, lifestyle costs. Then comes the emergency fund. Then we look at, okay, where do you wanna live? Do you wanna buy a home or do you wanna rent? What does that cost? Then we look at your qualified accounts. Qualified accounts consist of your IRA, your 401k. These are tax deferred investment vehicles, typically for your retirement. And then you have what are called non-qualified accounts, which consist of brokerage accounts, uh, individual accounts is what they're typically named. These are taxable accounts. These are accounts that, uh, will, that will be taxed every year based on the activity within, typically on capital gains and uh, dividends. And uh, yeah, that's it. So this framework has, th these types of asset types have characteristics. So for example, non-qualified, qualified, we already touched upon. But then there's other characteristics such as is it an illiquid or a liquid asset? So a liquid asset is something like I invest in a publicly traded stock or a mutual fund. Wow, that sounded like a sock. I meant to say stock, just to be clear. Publicly traded stock. Uh, an, an illiquid asset is something like your home. You don't see that price fluctuate as you do with a publicly traded stock. That's because it's a fairly illiquid asset. Same thing goes for any investment that you may make in a privately held asset, such as you want to invest in a small business. Dan's in my interest within LBW Wealth Management. It's extremely illiquid. It's not very easily monetized. Then there are other characteristics like restricted and unrestricted. So a restricted asset could be something like your qualified uh, 401k. You can't take out any distributions from your 401k typically without penalty. And then on top of the penalty, you then probably have to pay uh, income taxes on any withdrawals that you make, on any gains from that portfolio. And that can differ dependent on the type of qualified account. Or it can be an unrestricted asset. So for example, that non-qualified brokerage account, that would be an unrestricted asset because you can typically take that money out whenever you want, you pay taxes, that's it, no penalties. And then we have to balance out your goals. And then what are those short-term, medium-term, long-term requirements that we have to factor in to your financial plan? And I should specify, it's not really a financial plan. It's really an ongoing financial plan that really it changes all the time. So what we have to factor in are like, what do you want to do for those short-term goals? Maybe you have a wedding coming up. Maybe you have to, um, you, you have a Disney trip planned for the family. And then there's those medium term. Maybe you want to buy a house in less than five years. Maybe you want to buy a second home. And then there are those long-term. Long-term consists of saving for retirement, investing in those qualified accounts. After we factor in all of those factors, 
you then get to what can I invest in private investments? And it's going to be different for everybody. Not only the amount, like the actual absolute dollar amount, but it's really a percentage of your overall investable assets. What is that number? Dan, do you want to speak to a little bit like uh, different types of private investments? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's actually, glad you asked Nathaniel. Usually when people come to us and they speak about private equity or private investments, they think in real estate. And, and there are a lot of opportunities within real estate that we see and encourage, not all the time, but definitely encourage at times too. But it's not, that's not your only uh, private, private equity play that you can make out. You could be buying into private companies. Even in the real estate space, you can have investments where they're tied to one particular entity. Maybe that entity is a rental that you manage. Maybe that entity is through a uh, syndicate form where it's one commercial building that someone else manages and it really is a passive form. Maybe it's a real estate fund that's privately held and has 25 holdings diversified among different, there's different ways to cut it. So private equity is a, just a portal in itself of different opportunities, some of which bear more risk, of course, whether it's liquidity we're talking about or risk of loss of the investment than others. And this too goes into that whole mapping process. How much from a liquidity standpoint, how much from a speculative standpoint comes into play as you're building out these tranches that make that basically make sense for your overall macro picture. The funny thing is, a lot of times I think people are almost sometimes embarrassed when they talk with Daniel and I about different speculative pieces. We don't have a problem with that. Uh, we actually refer to that as FU money, and you can picture what that stands for. But the funny thing is, when people put this kind of money in play, they do it out of a whim, which I get that too but not in consideration of everything else. If FU money makes up 20% of your overall liquid net worth, that could be problematic. Also may not, depending on your, your, your living style, your cost of living and your overall size of wealth. So it's just, it's not something you just throw up on the wall, right? Um, and see where the splatter goes. There is a way, and that's why we do this, to map out how much makes sense where you're really dealing with a situation of, you know, basically asymmetric risk where you very well might see a great return from that. But if you don't and it falls apart, who cares, right? You didn't care about that money. That's the whole concept behind that, right? So sometimes speculative investments like this can scratch an itch for people's psyche where it then doesn't threaten the other things that actually really matter. So a lot of times we actually encourage people to do some of this Again, it's just about how it's weighted in the overall asset mapping process. So um, overall, it, it, there's just a lot of different factors, but that's, that's usually where the answer starts. And then we go through this whole process to end there where it's like, sure, you can do this, but what do you really want to look for in private equity? Do you want to piece that up? What does that cause for your liquidity? It's, it's not uncommon for us to see people that have just very illiquid assets. And then they talk about how their friends with the same net worth can do X, Y, and Z, but they can't. Because that's not really, doesn't really come down to net worth. It comes down to what you own and how you plan to utilize it. And that could look very, very, very different. And often we do find it to be a surprise, not to belabor this, uh, this topic, but I remember um, years ago, 
working with a, a client where we were looking at this picture and on paper, I mean, they look like rock stars, very, very healthy net worth, very healthy incomes. They do what they want in life, but they're funding the instruments that you would think make sense to fund. 401ks, because again, qualified assets, they make sense. Like Nathaniel was saying, take advantage of tax, advantage, tax benefits. They were funding things like real estate properties that were driving an income, makes a lot of sense. But you know what their goals were? Early retirement, number one, maybe only second to one another, funding their kids' entire college education. Yet their, their college education accounts weren't coming close to filling that need when the time was gonna come. And their 401k assets, which were very healthy, can't be accessed until they were 59 and a half, which meant that there was, if I remember correctly, a seven, seven and a half year gap that they had no way to fund it. So they are in a sense becoming slaves to the job. And it wasn't because they weren't doing what seemed logical. It's because there wasn't quite the balance in the mapping process. So it achieves the qualitative component that they're trying to hit. And again, at the end of the day, that's the part that matters. Perhaps, Nathaniel, you, we can, I mean, I guess that's one example, but uh, maybe you can provide a more structured example on top of that one. Sure. So um, this is a real life example that, that I can speak to. So we had a client come to us and uh, after we've done the financial planning process, what we call the expense analysis, the EA process with, with uh, that, him and his uh, fiance. And we, he wanted to invest in what he called speculative investments within his, his niche, within his, and, and his niche is like what we call our circle of competence. Like he has this, this really um, defined, which is very critical, defined circle of competence in this particular industry. And he wanted he, he wanted to pass it by us to say, to ask us could he invest uh, some money in this these kinds of ideas like a basket of these ideas and if so how much so we put him through our our personal financial asset mapping process so to do that we took we we started with their total assets investable their total investable assets. And then from there, we started to whittle away at it by subtracting, okay, what is your cost of living, guys? What's your emergency fund? What is it supposed to be? How much are you contributing to it to build it up to that level? What's your home equity? What's it going to be because they're, they're in the process of buying a house? What are your short-term goals? Like were they wanting to buy a vacation home? How much do they need to save towards that? Long-term goals, kids' education, for example. This then equals what we call an adjusted investable assets amount. And then what we did was we compared that to a threshold that we had come up with, like saying that, okay, this absolute number, we're comparing it to this adjusted investable assets number. You are far below what we would recommend is okay for you to start using FU money to invest in this kind, these kinds of investments. However, this is where everybody's different. The caveat was that he had had a, a lot of experience 
investing in highly concentrated liquid securities. So this he was going to be investing in liquid publicly traded liquid securities and for this these speculative investments. It wasn't going to be privately held. But he, he had had a lot of experience in it with high concentration. So he was okay with the high amount of volatility in these publicly traded prices. So within that, in comparison to that absolute dollar amount that we were comparing to, and then also pointing out that, okay, if you were to put this much in, then it would just be, we typically recommend a band of five to 20%, depending upon the type of asset that you want to invest in, it might make sense for you to do a small amount of FU money. Like you have some flexibility in your particular household. Overall, the goal throughout this entire exercise and for all of our clients is to make the client what is called anti-fragile. And this term was coined by uh, Nassim Taleb. I think I, Taleb, I think I pronounced that correctly. Uh, and the point is to make that champagne glass pyramid as, as strong as possible, such that when it's shook, that it's, it's not going to, it's not going to fall down. So when we put the client through this and, and we pointed out that we generally wouldn't recommend this, but if you want to put a little bit amount, you could do it. And, and they understood where we were coming from because we were able to show them, okay, you take this out, this out, this out, this out, you're left with this, you could do this. And that was it. Did I miss anything? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think, and that's basically the conclusion on the pyramid is that the way to keep it balanced is to start pouring from the top and letting it cascade into the other classes naturally. And, and that, that doesn't mean that this client doesn't get to that, that piece they were looking for. They most certainly will. But being deliberate on hitting other things first allows for the ability to make that other investment in the near future with a lot more confidence or lack of need to care. Um, so with, with that being said, um, thank you, Nathaniel, for explaining this concept that we play in all the time. Uh, it's, it's fun to see because it's different for everybody. And, um, and that's the beauty of it. We just want to give you thoughts as to how to think about this um, because it's simple, but it's not, but it's, it's just often missed. So uh, in all reality, the balance is important. It, we just don't believe that a person finds balance. It's something that you have to create. Daniel? Well said. I, I just want to reiterate that everybody is different. Like uh, Dan's values are incredibly different than mine. We share core principles. Don't get me wrong, but we have very different value systems, uh, uh, different, different goals in life. And that's okay. So I'm going to be spending more money on X and Dan's going to be spending more money on Y. It's just different. Everybody's different. That's great because it keeps our job interesting. Uh, yeah. And I would also like to say that you don't have to keep up with the Joneses, people. You don't. You do what's right for you and your family. That's what's most critically important because once you can build a, a sound infrastructure, financially speaking, a uh, sound foundation, excuse me, 
you can then branch out and do other things. You can do those things that you want to spend that FU money on that you enjoy. And you can do so without fear of that champagne tower falling and crashing down and, and possibly ruining your life, financially speaking. So with that, we thank you for, for listening. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. I know I did. And we hope you have a pleasant evening. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry to determine which investments, broker, dealer, or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.